morning, we go over into John, the 12th chapter, John chapter 12. So good to see everyone this morning. Certainly it's good to be together to worship God and to study from his word. I certainly want to commend Brother Micah for doing such a wonderful job in his sermon this morning. Both Brother Zach and Brother Micah did fine jobs preaching their first lessons this summer. I'm so proud of them. I know we're all proud of them. May God bless them for many years of service in the kingdom. I'm just so glad we have so many capable young men, young teenagers, who can do so much good in the kingdom. And I hope they certainly inspire our young boys here who will one day grow up and serve the Lord as well. I'm just so, so very thankful for the fine job he did today. In John 12, I want to read to you some scriptures. And the scriptures I'm going to read to you are parallel. Parallel verses to what Brother Zach read for us this morning. And we're going to start with John 12 and verse 1. Remember, he read from Mark 14, 1 through 9. Well, here's a parallel text to that, but John is going to give us some additional information. He's going to help us plug in some of the pieces. And so he says in verse 1, Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples who was intending to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to poor people? Now, he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box. As he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. Therefore, Jesus said, let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The large crowd of Jews then learned that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they may also see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priest planned to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and were believing in Jesus. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but every time I read the Gospels, I can't help but be impressed with just how much women played a critical role in the life of Jesus. Have you ever noticed that before? You ever noticed just how much women played a critical role in the life of Jesus? For example, consider the Samaritan woman that Jesus encountered at a well. Remember her? R remember how after convincing her that he was the prophesied Messiah, in John chapter 4, the Bible tells us that the Lord was actually able to use her testimony of him to convert many of the Samaritans in that region. The Samaritan woman played a critical role in the ministry of Jesus, and you put that with what we were told about Mary, his mother. Remember, out of all the people in the world at that time, God actually chose her. He actually chose chose a young girl who was probably a teenager to miraculously bring his son into the world. Mary played a critical role in the life of Jesus, and then you add to that Mary Magdalene. 
and another Mary who is described as the mother of James and Joanna and Salome. Remember, those were the women that God chose to be the very first people who would see his son after he was raised from the dead. And then what about, what about these two women right here? What about these two women that Brother Dale spoke of in his invitation a couple of weeks ago? What about Martha and Mary? What about these two women who evidently were close personal friends of Jesus? Two women who Jesus is actually spending time with not long before he's crucified for the sins of the world. Going back to the text here in John chapter 12, notice how in the context of these verses, we're in the shadow of the cross. We're in the shadow of the events of Golgotha. It is the Saturday prior to the final week of Jesus' life. En route to Jerusalem one final time, Jesus decides to, to stop and, and spend some time in Bethany with his friends. He decides to spend some time in, in Bethany with his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, whom he has raised from the dead. In fact, at this particular get-together, the scripture tells us that they're meeting in the home of a man named Simon. They're meeting in the home of Simon the leper. They're actually having a meal in Simon the leper's house. And what is Martha doing? Well, Martha's doing exactly what we would expect Martha to be doing, right? Martha's busy doing all kind of Martha stuff. She's cooking. She's assisting the people. She's serving the people. She's helping the people. And, and Lazarus, well, Lazarus, he's hanging out with Jesus. Jesus and Lazarus, they're just hanging out, having a good old time. They are reclining at a table. And their sister Mary, well, well Mary, she does something on this occasion that gets everybody's attention. Mary does something that gets... Lazarus' attention. And it gets Peter and James and John and Judas' attention, and it especially gets Jesus' attention. It especially gets the Lord's attention. In fact, the Lord, the Lord commends what she does. The Lord praises her actions. In Mark's account, the Lord calls what she does a good deed. He says that he wants the whole world to know and remember what she does on this night. He says that as long as the gospel is preached and as long as the world continues to stand, he wants people to remember the night when Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, took a very expensive bottle of perfume and broke it open and poured it over his head. He says he wants the world to remember how she anointed his body and how she even wiped his feet with her hair. Jesus says, Jesus says, that he wants what this woman did on this night to always be spoken of in memory of her. And since that's what the Lord says he wanted, how about we as disciples just give him what he wants? How about we as disciples do exactly 
what Jesus tells us to do here in the gospel. How about we spend our time this morning obeying the words of Jesus and let's spend some, some time remembering Mary. Let's do what Jesus says and remember what Mary did on this night. And let's just begin by first remembering this. Let's begin by first remembering just how much she sacrificed. Let's start right there. Let's remember just how much Mary sacrificed on this night. When you go back to Mark's account, we're going to spend most of our time in Mark's account. In Mark chapter 14, look at verse number 3. In Mark the 14th chapter in verse number 3, the Bible says, While he, Jesus, was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, and reclining at the table, there came a woman. Now, Mark, or Mark doesn't identify the woman here, but John does. John tells us in his account that the woman here is Mary. It's Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. There came a woman with an alabaster vial, a very costly perfume of pure nard, and she broke the vial and poured it over his head. Now, notice carefully what Mark is trying to do here in this verse. Notice carefully how Mark in this verse is going out of his way to let us know that Mary sacrificed a lot to serve the Lord on this night. He's going out of his way to let us know that Mary offered the Lord some very costly service. You see, we need to understand that this perfume that Mary uses on this night, this is not the kind of stuff you're going to find at Walmart, okay? This is not the kind of stuff you're going to find at Kohl's or TJ Maxx or Target or even on Amazon. No, 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 no. This perfume that Mary uses here is very expensive. It is very, very expensive. Mark in verse number three, he specifically says that it was costly, right? In verse number five of the same chapter, Judas says that this perfume could have been sold for over 300 denarii. Brothers and sisters, that's a lot of money. That's a whole lot of money. I mean, you, you remember what, what a denarii was, right? You, you remember how a denarii or denarius was the standard wage for a worker's full day in the time of Jesus. Remember when the average worker in this time worked a full day, they would get a denarius. A denarius was the standard wage for a full day's work at the time of Jesus. And Judas said that this perfume could have been sold for over 300 denarii. You know what that means? That means that it would have taken the average worker in the time of Jesus about a year to be able to buy this stuff. That means that this perfume is worth thousands and thousands of dollars in our money today. That means that Mary, she may have used her entire life savings to be able to buy this stuff. Mary used a very expensive bottle of perfume to anoint Jesus. And notice, secondly, just how much she used of it. Notice how she didn't just put a, a touch or a dab or a sprinkle or a smidgen of this stuff on Jesus. Instead, what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says that she broke the bottle and she poured it all over his head. 
She dumped all this stuff on Jesus. She saved none of this stuff for herself. In fact, in John 12 and verse number three, John says that this action caused the whole house to be filled with the fragrance. The whole house could smell Jesus on this night. In fact, one commentator I read said that a pound of pure nard like this would have made it possible not just for Jesus to be smelled all throughout that house, but it would have made it possible for him to be smelled from a very long distance. In other words, if we were walking around Jerusalem in the time of Jesus during this particular time, we would have been able to smell him coming from a from from a long distance away. We but we would have been able to smell Jesus coming from several hundred yards away. We may not have been able to see him coming or even hear him coming, but we sure could smell him coming. This was some strong stuff. This was some powerful stuff. This was the kind of stuff that a couple of showers or a couple of baths is not going to be able to get off of you. Jesus probably had this scent on him all the way up until the time when he died on the cross. Jesus, Jesus was anointed with a very expensive bottle of perfume from Mary, and Mary used all of it on him. She spared no expense when it came to Jesus, and she teaches us something. You know what she teaches us? She teaches us that service that pleases the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords it's not, it's not cheap service. It's not lazy service. It's not pathetic service. Instead, you know what kind of service it is? It's costly service. It is high price service. It is a kind of service that has attached to it a mentality of, I want to give Jesus my best. I don't want to hold anything back from Jesus. I don't want to give him partial and lazy and half-hearted service. I want to give him my all because what he did for me is priceless. I mean, he, he actually left the glories of heaven. And he came into this sinful world and he lived as a man. And he lived a perfect life as a man. And he died. One of the worst deaths imaginable. He died on a cross. Like Brother Chuck said this morning, he died on a cross for me. Jesus actually died for me. And because he died for me, he doesn't just deserve my, my service, but he deserves my best service. He deserves my best service whenever I get up here and I'm blessed to preach the gospel to you. He deserves my best service whenever I teach a Bible class or whenever I'm sitting in the pew worshiping him or whenever I'm leading an act of worship or leading a work group or giving an invitation or maybe I'm just doing something for a disciple behind the curtain, behind the scenes, whatever I'm doing in the kingdom of God, whatever I'm doing in the Lord's church because Jesus gave me his best. I deserve to give him my best. I must give him my best because he is the best because he is the best and he gave his life for me. He deserves he deserves my best. But not only does he deserve my best service, you know what else he deserves from me? He also deserves my time. 
He actually deserves all my time. He doesn't just deserve three hours on a Sunday when I'm gathered here with you. No, Jesus, Jesus deserves my time 24 hours a day and seven days a week. He deserves me doing what Paul talks about in Romans 12 and verse 1. Paul says that I must present my body as a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to God. Jesus deserves me doing what that verse says. Jesus deserves me doing my best to shine and live for him in my marriage and in the relationship I have with my kids and the relationship I have with my brethren and how I conduct myself on my job and in my school and on my sports team and whatever circumstance I find myself in in life because Jesus gave his life for me. He deserves a sacrifice of my time, but he doesn't just deserve the sacrifice of my time. He also deserves the sacrifice of my money. Someone says, oh, oh, the preacher's about to talk about money this morning. Oh, yeah, I'm going to talk about money. I'm going to talk about money. You know why? Because the Bible talks about money. The scriptures talk about money. The scriptures tell us that Mary sacrificed a lot of money for the Lord on this occasion, and he commended that, right? He was pleased with that. He is pleased whenever his people use their blessings, the things that he gives them to serve and bring him glory. He is pleased when disciples are not selfish and, and stingy. He is pleased when disciples are willing to cut back on some of the luxuries they have in life in order to give to him generously and sacrificially on the first day of the week. He is pleased when disciples use their blessings to do things like help the less fortunate both in the church and outside of the church and to be hospitable to other people. And especially he is pleased when they use their blessings to help advance the most important message in the world which is the glorious gospel, the only message that can save souls. What I just want you to see is Mary shows us what service is all about. She shows us what sacrifice is all about. She paid a high price on this occasion to serve Jesus. She paid a high price to honor Jesus. Her service to Jesus on this night wasn't petty. It wasn't the leftovers. Instead, it was her best. It was something that she could actually feel in her life. Jesus wants us to remember just how much she sacrificed, but he doesn't want us just to remember that. Secondly, he also wants us to remember just how much she was criticized. He wants us to remember just how much she was criticized for serving him. I mean, didn't you know that in both Mark's account and in John's account? Go back to Mark's account again. Look at verse 4. In Mark 14 and verse 4, after telling us about how expensive this bottle of perfume was that Mary used to anoint the body of Jesus, in verse 4, we see that how some people responded to that. It says, but some were indignantly remarking to one another, why was this perfume wasted? Wasted. For this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they were scolding her. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you bother her? She's done a good deed for me. For you always have the poor with you. And whatever you wish, you can do good to them. But you do not always have me. Notice how Jesus, Jesus has Mary's back on this occasion. You see that? 
Notice how Jesus here, he is defending Mary. He is taking up for Mary. Why is he taking up for her? Well, he's taking up for her because she's being criticized. She's being criticized by the apostles. The apostles are criticizing her. The apostles are making her feel bad about what she has done. They actually, the apostles, they call her actions wasteful. They said she wasted a good bottle of perfume on this occasion. In fact, John tells us in his account that Judas, Judas was the one leading the charge on this, right? Because Judas was a covetous thief who wanted to steal the proceeds from the sale of the perfume. He is leading the effort to make Mary feel bad about what she's done. He's the main one persecuting her. He's the main one ridiculing her. He's the main one mocking her and scalding her and saying, why did you do that? Judas is leading the charge here, but Jesus smacks him down. Jesus puts him in his place. Jesus tells him to leave her alone. He says that what she did is right. And if Jesus said it's right, then guess what? That means it's right. That means that Mary didn't need to feel any kind of embarrassment or shame over what she was doing. She needed to keep on serving Jesus in the way that she was. That's what the text says. And I believe there's an important lesson to learn from that, don't you? I think that from what happened to Mary, to, for, to Mary on this occasion, we see that sometimes... Sometimes, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we're going to be criticized. Sometimes we're going to be criticized for doing what is right. Sometimes we're going to be criticized by people in the world, people who reject Christ, people who reject the gospel. And sometimes we're even going to be criticized by people in this room. Sometimes we're going to be criticized by fellow travelers on the way to heaven. I mean, isn't that exactly what happened to Mary? Going back to the text, notice how Mary, she, she's not being criticized by people trying to kill Jesus. She's not being criticized by people who rejected Jesus. She's not being criticized by the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees. Instead, she's being criticized by people who are supposed to be on her team. She's getting criticized by people who are supposed to be fellow disciples. Fellow disciples are treating her unfairly, and that same thing will also happen to us. Even today, sometimes we're going to be treated fairly, unfairly by fellow disciples. Even today, sometimes we're going to get hit by friendly fire. Even today, sometimes fellow, fellow disciples are going to be ugly to us and they're going to be rude to us and they're going to treat us unfairly and they're going to assume the worst in our words and our actions. That is just a reality that comes with doing some doing work with people. That's just a reality that comes with doing work with people who need to grow up and mature in the faith and grow in their love of Jesus Christ. This kind of stuff happens even among the people of God, but we can't let that discourage us. 
We can't let that shatter us. We can't let that crush us. We especially can't let that cause us to give up on serving Jesus. The Apostle Paul certainly didn't let that happen with him. When you go into your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to show you some in 1 Corinthians 4. We're going to come back to Mark chapter 14. But if anybody knew what it was like to experience getting hit by friendly fire, it was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was treated unfairly often by his own brethren. In fact, many of the people in Corinth, they didn't like Paul. They were criticizing Paul. They weren't taking him seriously as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul got treated unfairly at times by his own brethren. And yet notice what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2. I really like what Paul says here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, Paul says, In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards. We're all stewards. What Paul says is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy or faithful. Verse 3, he says, but to me, it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself, for I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is who? It is the Lord. Notice what Paul's chief concern in life was. Notice Paul's chief concern in life was the Lord. It was the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As long as the Lord knew Paul's heart, he was good with that. As long as the Lord was pleased with his life and his service, he was good with that. He could sleep good at night as a result of that. He could overcome and endure any unfair criticism that brethren threw his way. Paul's main concern in life was serving the Lord and that also needs to be our main concern as well. You know, as Christians, even though we love each other and we want to help each other, our main concern in life should not be about pleasing each other. Instead, it should be about pleasing Jesus. It should be about pleasing the Son of God. It should be about bringing glory to His name. Mary's service didn't find favor with the brethren on this night, but it did find favor with Jesus. It did find favor with her Lord and her master, and that's the only thing that truly mattered. Jesus wants us to remember how she endured criticism on this night in her effort to please him. But then the third thing we also need to remember is we also need to remember that according to Jesus, she did what she could. She did what she could. I'm just borrowing the exact same language that Jesus used there in the text. Go back to Mark again, Mark 14. Look at verse 8. In Mark 14 and verse 8, Jesus says, She, Mary, has done what she could. What does the Lord mean when he uses that language? Well, with that language, the Lord is saying that even though Mary wasn't a preacher, even though she wasn't an apostle, even though she wasn't a great miracle worker like the vast majority of people in the room on that night, she still was important. She still was valuable. She still offered some valuable service to the Lord on this night. She was a good steward of the resources that the Lord had given her. She didn't let the fact that she was a, wasn't a preacher stop her from trying to honor Jesus. 
She didn't let the fact that she wasn't an apostle stop her. She didn't even let the fact that she was a woman and how women during this time, they were not respected in society. They were actually viewed as second class citizens. You see, this woman right here, she wasn't somebody full of excuses. She wasn't in competition with her fellow disciples. She wasn't someone who was better, bitter and jealous because she didn't have the same kind of talents and abilities that other people in the room had. She wasn't focused on what everybody else was doing in the room. Instead, she was focused on what she could do. She was focused on the opportunity before her. She was focused on using whatever blessings and resources she had to honor her Lord. And that's also what we need to focus on, too. That's what I need to focus on, too. That's what you need to focus on, too. Go in your Bible, please. First Peter chapter four and first Peter chapter four and verse number 10. In 1 Peter 4 and verse 10, Peter says, As each one has received a special gift, implore it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things, in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What is Peter saying there? Well, there Peter is saying that when it comes to the kingdom of God, there is something for everyone to do. There's something for everyone to do. We all have a talent. We all have a gift. We all have something that God has given us to bring him glory and to serve his people. I have it and you do as well. Now, for some people, God has blessed them with the talent and ability to be able to serve as, as elders. They've been blessed with the ability to serve as shepherds or pastors or bishops. Other people have been blessed with the ability to serve as deacons. Other people preachers, other people teachers, other people song leaders, other people have been blessed with a lot of prosperity in this life that enables them to give more than others. Paul talks about those kind of people in Romans 12. Other people have been blessed with great personalities that enables them to be great encouragers in the church. Other people have been blessed with the ability to fix stuff. They're good handy men or handy women. Other people have been blessed to be good at, at, at technology and tech stuff. They're very tech savvy. And so other people here do a wonderful job writing cards to people and checking on the sick and the shut-ins and helping keep track of the church budget and even help clean and maintain this meeting facility. There's a whole bunch of other examples I could give you this morning, but the point is, when it comes to what we're doing, there's a lot of work for everybody to do. There's a lot of work for me to do, and there's a lot of work for you to do. There's just so much to be done in the kingdom of God, both in front of the curtain and behind the curtain, and whatever you're doing, whether it's in front of the curtain or behind the curtain, may God bless you. May God be with you. May you always be the kind of disciple who, like Mary, you just do whatever you can to serve the Lord and his people. 
I don't care if you're cleaning a toilet or sweeping outside. Do it for the Lord. Do it to the best of your ability. Embrace your talent. Be a good steward over it. Use whatever God has given you in the best way you can to serve him and serve his people. That's what Mary did. Mary did. She did what she could. She wasn't a preacher, wasn't an apostle, but she still did something important. And what she did, let me close with this. It was very timely. It was very, very timely. Go back to Mark 14. Look again at verse number seven. In verse seven, Jesus says, for you always have the poor with you and whatever, whenever you wish, you can do good to them, but you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. Why is Jesus, why is Jesus so strongly exalting and commending Mary's actions on this occasion? I mean, is he so strongly commending what she did because he's trying to send the message of what she did is way more important than helping poor people? Of course not. Uh, of course not. Of course Jesus is not belittling the importance of helping poor people. You and I both know that throughout the Gospels, we find Jesus endorsing and putting his stamp of approval on helping the poor. Jesus, throughout the gospel, tells us that helping the poor is good and honorable and noble. He is not belittling or diminishing the importance of helping the poor, but what he is doing is he's trying to get the apostles to understand, and he's trying to get us to understand that what she does here on this night is timely. It is right. It is appropriate. You see, they would have plenty of time later to help the poor. The poor wasn't going anywhere. We got poor people all around us today. They're right outside the church building right now. Poor people aren't going anywhere. But Jesus was going somewhere, wasn't he? Jesus was going to the cross. Jesus was about to die for the sins of the world. And in fact, through this action, Mary appears to be the only one who really believes that. I mean, unlike the apostles, and you know this, unlike the apostles who were always in denial of this, they were always in denial of the fact that Jesus was going to have to die and be raised. Unlike them, Mary is the only one, it appears, who really believes that he's the Messiah who has to die. She is anointing his body beforehand for burial. She is seizing the moment she has to pay tribute and honor to her Lord. And we need to be like her. We need to have a mindset like Mary, like Mary. We too need to strive every day to offer timely service to other people. Someone says, well, what is timely service? Well, my friends, timely service involves sharing the gospel with that lost soul who you know right now is desperately searching for the truth. Timely service involves sending a card or a text message to a grieving brother or sister in this church. Timely service involves getting to know and befriend Christians who have recently place membership with us. 
timely service involves making time to pray today for all of those people who are in our family talk. Timely service involves confronting a brother or a sister who we know is in sin right now and helping them get back on the right track. Mary offered timely service to Jesus. She did what she could. She did it while being criticized. She sacrificed much for the Lord. What I just want you to see is there's a reason why she's commended by Jesus. There's a reason why her actions have been preserved in the gospel. There are just so many lessons to learn from this great servant of God. But I want to close this morning by just asking you, are you serving God like her? Are you serving God like Mary? Are you giving God and his son your best service like she certainly did in her life? If not, then you have an opportunity today to begin that journey. If that means you need to respond to the gospel for the first time and begin the journey with Jesus through faith and repentance and baptism, or if you are a disciple who just knows you haven't been living that, that faithful life, that kind of life like Mary, a life of true dedication and zeal for the Lord. If you need us to pray with you and pray for you, if you need us to encourage you in any way in your service to God, we'll be more than happy to do that. Come to the front right now. Let's stand. Let's sing together.